but I really look at these kids as my kids. And when school time came around, I made sure that all the kids had, you know, at least one outfit to go to school in. Some needed shoes. We got some of the kids' shoes. We, we just try to be more than just coaches. This is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. For much of 2019, I've traveled around the world interviewing creators and innovation experts for the show. For today's interview, I stayed in Minneapolis to interview Shaquille Nelson. On May 12, 2003, I was matched with Shaquille through the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. He was just nine years old. Through the years, we cooked meals, played sports. We even traveled to see an NCAA basketball game in Texas. Never did I imagine that the boy would turn into a man driven to give back. But is he ever? Now 25 years old, Shaquille spends three to four nights a week working with more than 50 young boys from underserved parts of the Minneapolis metro. He is using sports in very innovative ways to teach these young boys secrets to success and how to be men. I'm extraordinarily proud of who Shaquille has become and excited to introduce you to him today. Shaquille, welcome to 12 Geniuses. Thanks for having me. In your work with the Inner City Ducks, what problem are you solving? In my community, there are a lot of single-parent homes. Either the father is absent or incarcerated. So, you know, that exposes my kids or kids in my community to a lot of risk. Those risks being truancy, apathy, crimes, gangs, a bunch of stuff to kind of get the kids on a bad track, you know, in that community. It's easy growing up in that community with the absent fathers and absent role models. So us as the Ducks, we try to provide the male role models to the kids so that they don't have to grow up without a father figure or a male role model in their house. How old are the kids that you're working with? Well, we started in April with just... 12 and 13-year-olds. And um, since we've expanded now here in November, I am now working with five, five-year-olds through 14-year-olds. So now we have about 60 kids in our program now. So, and, and how many did you have when you started? I started with 13 kids. We actually went to Chicago with 13 kids, and we played in a tournament up there. And it was a real good turnout. Uh, we went one-on-one. The other team... End up losing both of their games uh, and had to forfeit one. So we won the championship because we ended up beating that team. So it was real rewarding, you know, having 13 kids out there. And I had two eight-year-olds on that team, actually. So that was fun. And they started and they played the whole game and we were able to still, you know, jail and nothing was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What are the innovations that you are introducing through the Ducks to these kids that differentiate this organization from other sports teams? It's not what you're doing, it's how you do it. And we're real big on how we do things with the Ducks. So we travel with these kids, we take these kids to restaurants, we show them little things outside of their communities. We've been to the Vikings stadium a couple of times, real familiar, the Vikings are real familiar with us. We do a lot of community things outside of just football. Actually, I'm real big on not playing as much football and really getting into the lives of these kids is more of a life coach than a, a sports coach. 
Can you give an example of how you have coached or worked with somebody on your team outside of the basketball or football space? Like I said, a bunch of my kids don't have fathers at home. So for me to just, you know, be that guy, you know, they can call and, you know, help them with homework. For instance, all my kids' teachers and principals have my number. So whenever something goes on, you know, they call me and say, hey, coach, can we give them 25 push-ups or can you come up here? And, you know, they know I'll come up there, you know, any day that I'm off or any time that I can. And kids call me while I'm at work. I'll step in the bathroom and talk to these kids and see what's going on. You know, um, I really look at these kids as my kids. And when school time came around, I made sure that all the kids had, you know, at least one outfit to go to school in. Some needed shoes. We got some of the kids' shoes. We, we just try to be more than just coaches. I know one of the things that you're doing is exposing them to travel. Can you talk about the benefits of this type of exposure for these young people? We took them to Indiana. We took them to South Dakota. We've been in Chicago a couple of times. We've been to uh, Wisconsin. We've been to Kansas City, taking them out there to see Arrowhead Stadium and stuff. So, yeah, that was, that was real nice. Just, you know, little experiences like that. Just having them all in a van and hotels, you know, that's that's real different for the kids. You know, they're they're not used to being away from their homes for a weekend and being in a room with a bunch of kids and or let alone a football team and waking up and, you know, eating breakfast all together and traveling all together and having fun. And, you know, it's, it's, it's real fun for the kids. There, there's exposure to life skills as well. For sure. Sure. Could you talk about the importance of that and some of the ways in which you're trying to help them understand what these life skills are and, and how you're correcting them or maybe influencing their behavior? Yeah, um, because for me, growing up, I didn't know how, you know, little things like thank you and please and thank you were important. You know, I didn't know little things like that was important. And so you get older and, you know, you have to use those things in your everyday life. So, you know, going, going to these restaurants and Going to these hotels, you know, you have to be able to stay disciplined and be respectful and respect, you know, what's around you because it's not yours, you know. You have to be able to go to these restaurants and teach them how to how to use their manners and say please and thank you and look people in their eyes and shake their hands, you know, firmly. And just a lot of life skills that these kids are getting every day. And, and, and it's rewarding because... These kids, these, these kids love to say thank you. They love to say thank you. Like they they do. They are coming to you every day. Coach, thank you. I appreciate it. Very, very, very appreciative of everything. So it's real good. Well, gratitude is a life skill. Yes, it and is. And good for you for teaching them that. Thank you. Another thing that is unique or sounds unique with the Ducks and the experience that you're giving them is you're bringing in guest speakers. Can you talk about some of the things that the kids are learning through these guest speakers? Meeting some of these guys early in my childhood, growing up, seeing all different types of successes, you know, I wanted to introduce my kids to the same thing. Let them know that, you know, success comes in different forms, different colors. You know, it doesn't matter. We can't be judgmental. We have to be able to divide our differences and, you know, love people for who they are. So um, having these people come in and uh, explain their jobs to, to the kids and what they do and how sports help them become the man that they are today and help them keep their businesses going and little things like discipline that I teach them every day, how that helps them now in their lives at the age of 40 or 
the brotherhood that they, you know, kept from sports and that they still have now into their 40s. So it's great having these guys come in and, you know, explaining to these kids, you know, what's going on. And it gives them a chance to, you know, see like, hey, you know, this guy kind of looks like me. I got a chance, you know, so it's, it's great. It's real great. These are teenagers or even preteens, and you have these typically men coming in who are 30, 40, 50 years old. What, what, what's the reaction of these, these young kids? Oh, these kids are excited. They're very excited. Their hands are raised in the air, two hands in the air, and you, sometimes you got to quiet them down because they just like barbar you with questions. So you just got to be able to, you know, weed some of the kids out and, <laughs> and pick, pick one at a time because they're all so excited and they want to play basketball and they want to play football. And, you know, they want to know what you do for work and who's your favorite football team and who's your basketball team. And do you have kids and does your kids play football? Do you play basketball? They're super excited to see new people. So it's, it's, it's great. You're 25 years old and this is quite remarkable in my opinion that uh, you have an organization with 50 or 60 kids involved now. I didn't realize it was 60. What is driving you to dedicate your time and your energy to these kids? Um, I honestly feel like that's my calling. I play sports. You know, I've, I've been in the Big Brother, Big Sister program, you know, so I know how, how big a, a, a male role model in a community like the inner city could be. You know, and, you know, if I had someone like myself, you know, from the ages, you know, one through nine, before I met you, I met you at nine years old. So if I had somebody from, you know, one through nine to, you know, bring me up so I, it could, it didn't have to be my father, you know, any kind of role model. I think that would have helped me a lot. So me being able to impact these kids' lives early, you know, getting these four and five-year-old kids and these three-year-old kids is, you know, real big for me. And I feel like there's nothing else I could be doing right now. Um, I've, you know, I've been the college route. I've played college football, you know, and this is the most excited I've ever been, you know, just being able to reach these kids. And I haven't even had the the feeling of, you know, having my kids out, out of my program and, you know, them coming back and being like, oh, coach, you know, um, man, I missed this, you know, so I'm still with those kids now. So I haven't got the biggest reward yet, but, you know, just being able to be there for these kids and being that male role model and somebody that they can confide in about anything is is second to none, man. You don't have any graduates yet, but one of the great things about working with kids is that you see growth and you see growth pretty quickly, right? Yeah, it no, can be correct. week to week, it can be practice to practice. You can even see growth during a practice. Correct. That's got to be rewarding. It's very rewarding. It almost brings tears in my eyes, man, but I got to be tough for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you started the organization, it was going to be 8 to 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And now there's five-year-olds. And I tell, when I tell people about this, a lot of times I help them understand that, well, this is a lot of times moms drop off the boys who are involved in the program, and then the younger brothers. Yes, and sisters. <laughs> and sisters. <laughs> yes. And you've welcomed that and actually used it as an opportunity to grow the program. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, with me starting with just 13 kids in my program, not having a lot of equipment or having a lot of stuff for any other kids, you know, I just kind of kept it, kept it at that. And it was a good start. But then once things start rolling, you started having a lot of the parents who would kind of let some of those kids miss practice because they had to work or the older kid had to watch some some of the kids. So I said, hey, you don't have to miss practice. 
but we're a community team, we're a family. So, you know, if there's any time that you need to bring your kids up here for two hours up until, you know, whoever gets out of practice, you can do that. And that started happening with, you know, a lot of other kids and just a bunch of families just started coming up and it was one thing led to another. And now I have a five-year-old team and I have a six-year-old team, a seven-year-old team, eight-year-old team. So <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was good. It was a good domino effect. So it was just like, come on. Hey, you guys are up here already. No need to try to travel anywhere else when your big brothers play right here. So just come on. I'll create a team for you guys and let's get it rolling. So that went well. Fundamental football went real well this year. You alluded to this a little bit earlier in the interview. You talked about you growing up without a father figure. Your father was incarcerated from the age of three to 14. Is that correct? Correct. What was it like not to have a father involved on a day-to-day basis? And was there a hole in your life or how how did that feel? It was a real big boy. I, I, I called myself playing a blame game a lot. Whenever something went wrong or whenever my actions were not as good, you know, I would blame it on me not having my dad around. But, you know, when I was able to go outside of my family and, you know, meet a person like you, I was like, you know, it's just all excuses. It was just literally like one of my biggest excuses growing up or, you know, why I did what I did. It was easy for me to, you know, go outside and hang with a bunch of guys, you know, that wasn't doing too good in the neighborhood or just getting into little fights. Meeting a guy like you, man, it it changed all that, you know, so I was able to look past that narrative of I'm doing this because I don't have a father or I don't have a dad in my life. It was more to it than it was more of a, a mind thing, you know, so once I got more control of myself, it was more of a, okay, well, let's see, you know, how we can get him back into my life instead of worrying about him not being in my life. It's very easy to get distracted, very, very easy to get distracted because um, some of these moms are too strong or can't handle some of these kids once they get to that preteen age and they start, you know, knowing more than you know. So now they're turning their chin up at you and you've been not not calling them for, you know, a couple of years, but not using the disciplinary factor too much. So now, you know, now that they're up in age, they're kind of being disobedient. A lot of the blame, they say, is for not having a father figure around or the male role model. So that's why, you know, me having this program is real big. How did you overcome the desire to use that as an excuse? My mom is strong, man. She's a strong woman. She's a very, very strong woman. She she stopped me right in my tracks. Um, I was her only child, so um, it was kind of an easy decision once things start getting too out, of, too out of hand for her, and I, you know, seeing tears in her eyes. So it's kind of easy for me to be like, okay, I'm her only child, you know, it's just not what we're going to do. And then when he got out when I was 14, those actions were still, you know, kind of happening. You know, so I was like, okay, maybe he's not the problem. You know, maybe it's just I need to change. So it was more of a reality check for me. So when he got out, you were 14 years old and you were still misbehaving. He was back in your life. Yeah. And you were still misbehaving yeah. and, and you realized maybe it's not his fault. Exactly. And that's why I'm here for these kids, you know, because a lot of what's going on nowadays is these kids aren't, aren't being held accountable for a lot of stuff that they do. 
And is this at home or within institutions? Yeah, at home, school? institutions, schools. So I'm just trying to bring that disciplinary factor back and do it in a fun way too, you know. So, but like I said, you know, I don't like to just be all about sports. It's more of a, a life coaching, you know, with me and showing these kids like, hey, sports is just, it's just a small thing, like literally like the, the smallest factor that we're doing. That's why we practice every day with these kids. We, some days we may practice like hard on practice three days a week, but the other two days I might just be talking to one kid for an hour and a half or the whole team for two hours. You know, we're just sitting back connecting and getting to know each other a little more and stuff like that. So, yeah. Was there ever a moment in your life where you thought you might be following your father's path? Yeah, for sure. From the ages of nine to about 12 years old, kind of the kids that I coach now, I was kind of on a bad path. I was not a good kid at all. What sorts of behaviors did you engage in? Little things like staying out late, touching um, like weapons and getting a hold of weapons and being in the gangs and just stuff like that. And um, I'm proud of myself. I'm real proud of myself that I was able to, you know, it was easy for me. Like I said, it was very easy for me because I was my mom's only child. My dad had already did the you know, whatever he needed to do in jail. And I I didn't want to be there. I love sports a lot. And um, one day I almost missed a game because I had gotten in trouble with the police. That was very easy for me to just be like, okay, I can't miss a game anymore. I don't even want to miss practice. So whatever that was, I'm just not going to do anymore. What's the future vision of the Ducks? So now we have about 60 kids. For the future, we want to have 150-plus kids, boys and girls basketball team with the boys football team also. We want to have um, a facility in the next five years for kids, kind of like a safe haven for kids to come and, you know, do their homework, receive mentorship, work out, you know, receive life lessons, you know, after the program. You know, if you're 14, 15, 16, you're after the program, you come back and receive these same things from the same role model that you had growing up. You had a really special experience a couple of months ago in September. A guy by the name of Mike Rowe came to visit. He has a television show called Returning the Favor. He's very well known, also has a phenomenal podcast called The Way I Heard It. Could you talk a little bit about what it was like, why Mike came to visit you and what that experience was like? It was kind of a surprise to me, too. I didn't know up until the last minute. I got an email earlier in the year from a production team in New York. They came across a couple of nonprofits in Minnesota and they came across the Ducks and they wanted to do a story on us. Um, it was kind of skeptical at first. You know, it was a team from New York. I didn't know much about it. But I took a chance on it and uh turned out to be uh, Return to Favor, which is uh, Mike Rowe's new show that he has going on on Facebook Watch, where he goes around the country or, you know, wherever the U.S. and he says as he likes to call them, bloody do-gooders. He goes around and he surprises the bloody do-gooders in, you know, every state. So he made a trip up here to Minnesota, completely caught me by surprise. I thought I was just doing a, you know, day with a production team and, you know, they were going to be here a couple of days and that was going to be that. So we were standing at one end of the football field and there was a van at the other end of the football field. My guy hopped out with about 17 cameras <laughs> um, I didn't know what was going on. It was kind of caught me off guard. And this guy walked up and he looked at familiar and I'm like, wait, who's this guy? 
He's like, um, are you familiar with me? I'm like, uh, yeah, you're the guy from Dirty Jobs. He's like, yes, Mike Rowe. I'm like, wow, okay, what are you doing here? <laughs> He's like, well, we hear that you guys are, you know, sharing helmets. And I'm like, how does this guy know this? Like, who told this guy this? And he's like, yeah, so, you know, we want to donate a check to you guys. And, he, you know, he gave us a, ch- a nice donation to the kids. And, you know, now we have a story come out in January, documentary about kind of how I started the Ducks and what we got going on around in our inner city community. So, yeah, that was a fun day. Real, real down-to-earth guy, real good guy. We kind of exchanged a couple things, too. He has one of our jerseys now, too, so he's a duck, so it's good to have Mike Rowe on the team. The Minnesota Vikings are the professional football franchise here in Minneapolis, and you and the Ducks had an opportunity to go to the practice facility where the Vikings practice and receive their training and therapy, et cetera. And one of the Vikings, Stephen Weatherly, led the team through a tour of the practice facility. But that was a big surprise for the kids. Could you talk about that day and the excitement that the kids had going through that experience? It was it was tremendous, man. It was crazy. Proud to be a partner, you know, with this guy, Stephen Weatherly. Real down-to-earth guy, Vanderbilt graduate, speaks a couple languages, very smart guy. I was very... I, I think he speaks like seven languages yeah. and <laughs> plays 11 musical instruments. It's crazy. A six foot five and 250 pound African-American guy from Georgia. Great yeah. role model for these kids. Great because role model. If you're talking about education, you couldn't imagine a, a better role model for for these guys, education and discipline seem yeah. like the name of the game for this guy. Yeah, seriously. And, you know, him, you know, being African-American, you know, it, that's that's real big, you know. So kind of gives my kid a real big chance to, you know, get outside of the horizons a little bit. So meeting him and spending the day with him, real funny guy, man. The kids loved him. They clicked pretty well. The experience was great. We practiced on the field for an hour and 30 minutes. Steve came out afterwards, kind of did some defensive drills with the kids, kind of seven on seven. He was running the defense and joking around with the kids. And uh, it was it was it was a real good day. Crazy, crazy day. Surprised the kids with some helmets, shoulder pads, and cleats. All the kids were very, very happy about that. Donated to the kids also, donated to the program, which is great. But yeah, the the day was the, the day was tremendous. We appreciate everything you did, Steve. The kids are are more than happy with all their gear and We'll never forget that day for sure. Shaquille, what needs do the Ducks have right now? Yeah, so the Ducks, we have a need for uh, donations. Any financial donations is, you know, real good for the kids. You know, you're helping us, you know, get these kids a better opportunity at, you know, life. You know, anything as far as sports or exposing them to new things in the world. It kind of takes money to do things like that. So financial donations is real good. Volunteers for as far as like coaching. Or, you know, volunteers is uh, anything in the program. You can volunteer to just, you know, do like books or ordering of the, the T-shirts or the gear, anything, any type of volunteer uh, be real helpful for the kids. You know, the more the better kind of puts the kids in a better situation. Now they have, you know, more role models around them and stuff. So, and some social media advocates would be, you know, great too. If you're not able to, you know, donate financially or volunteer your time to us, you know, a couple of days a week. If you can post us on, you know, your Instagram or your Facebook or share us on your LinkedIn or, you know, anything, that'd be, that'd be awesome too. You've taken the kids to Chicago, Kansas City, Indianapolis, Wisconsin. They've gone to practice at the Minnesota Vikings facility. Mike Rowe came out and did a documentary. The CBS News affiliate came out and did a story on the Ducks. What do these kids think about 
all of these experiences that they're that they're presented through the ducks. They won't reap the the full benefit up until they get out the program and go to high school or you know, get into this life, you know, where you're a grown up and now you got to use the the things we taught you when you were 12 years old or 10 years old. So, you know, right now it's just, you know, they're just playing football, having fun, man. And I'm just a man behind the camera. They're very grateful. They tell me thanks for every day. On Thanksgiving, I got a bunch of, you know, texts saying, you know, happy Thanksgiving, coach, thankful for you, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it was, it's, it's great. It's very rewarding for me and, you know, other coaches, you know, seeing the smiles on these kids' faces and, yeah, it's real good. What does success mean to you for the Ducks? Success to me for the Ducks means having these kids go on. They don't have to play football after, you know, after I'm done with them. Just success to me it looks like just leaving my program and these kids going on to be men in life, going on to be family man or, you know, a working man, whatever it is, you know, something rewarding just that's, that's, that's all I want to see. I'm, I'm good with anything else. I think it would be really important to help people understand that this is not your full-time job. What else do you do? Currently, I've been at um, North Memorial Hospital for two years now, and I do environmental services. And this is my part-time slash full-time job. Nobody's taking any money. You know, there's no incomes or anything. This is all volunteer work. It is it is a job, you know, it is a second job, you know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing anything else for a second job. Shaquille, where can people learn more about you and the Ducks? We have a load of ton of social media stuff for the kids. Real big on social media. We have Instagram account. You can follow us at enter underscore city underscore ducks elite. And you can follow us at Facebook at inner city ducks elite. Uh, we also have a website now, innercityducks.org. It loads of content, kind of tells you about what we got going on, our accomplishments over the year, and our accomplishments and what we're trying to accomplish for the next couple years and what we're doing now and how the program is ran. So, yeah, make sure you go follow everything and subscribe to us on, on YouTube. And also, you can type in hashtag duct tape, or you can go on there and just type in Inner City Ducks, and there's loads of content on there for, for you guys to follow and keep up with the ducks. And you are on LinkedIn as well, correct? Correct. Sorry, yes, I'm on LinkedIn too. Uh, you can follow the Inner City Ducks on LinkedIn or you can follow me personally, Shaquille Nelson, on LinkedIn and I can shoot you a, a confirmation to the Ducks page or whatever too. So, yeah. Well, Shaquille, you're providing an incredible service to your community. You're making a difference in these young boys' lives. And you and I have obviously known each other a long, long time. I'm incredibly proud of you. Thanks for taking some time to talk with me today, and thank you for being a genius. Thanks for having me, man. Proud to be a genius. <laughs> this is the final episode of Season 2 of 12 Geniuses. I want to thank all the guests who shared their expertise on the topic of creativity and innovation. Best-selling author Daniel Pink, hip-hop legend Brother Ali, Hockey Hall of Famer Lou Nanny, and the other nine geniuses, it's been an absolute thrill to learn from you. I want to thank you, the listener. Your feedback has been helpful in making this show better every episode. Season three of 12 Geniuses will begin in January 2020. We have an incredible lineup of guests, including Cecily Summers, Krista Tippett, Dan Butner, and Dr. Robert Eichinger. If you love what you've heard, please consider rating 12 Geniuses on your podcast app. If you hated what you heard, 
please send us an email to future at 12geniuses.com and share your ideas on how we can improve. Constructive feedback is always welcome. Devin McGrath is our production assistant. Brian Bierbaum is our historical consultant. Jay, Tony, and Toby from GL Pro in London. Make sure the sound quality is phenomenal. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a genius.